on this episode of AV Week, ISE is moving from February to May, the impact that will have on the global community, also what it means for supply chain, and taking a look at the XR version of AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 543, recorded Friday, January 14th, 2022. Going global. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Draper and by Sure Sound Extraordinary. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright, your host. Uh, normally, I would introduce you to a whole uh, cadre of people, and I will do that in one second. Uh, but first and foremost, this young man uh, made some significant news this week. His name is Mike Blackman. He is the Managing Director of Integrated Systems Europe. Welcome, welcome sir. Oh, thank you, Tim. Always uh, a pleasure guys, to be with you. Thank, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. Um, and, and Mike's staying up, not staying up late. I'm recording this earlier on, on Friday. Um, but thank you for, for joining us. I, I mentioned the fact that you you made some significant news this week. Uh, Integrated Systems Europe, ISD, was set to go ahead on the 1st, the 4th of February in Barcelona at the FIRA. Uh, you uh, announced earlier this week that it is moving uh, to the 10th through the 13th of May. Still in Barcelona, still at the FIRA. Not, not exactly on top of, I, of, 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 of Infocom here in the States. Um, about three or four weeks out of that, uh, two questions to start with. Why why are we moving it, and, and why announce it about, about three weeks out from the actual event? Well, Tim, uh, I mean, firstly, why are we moving it? Um, you know, we, we have been having discussions with our customers, um, both uh, exhibitors and attendees, um, and, you know, just gauging their interest, ga- gauging their sentiment. Um, one of the things we actually did after... We put together a meeting back in December of uh, the top 23 exhibitors, so, so all the major manufacturers who are exhibiting at ISE. And um, we talked to them uh, and, you know, we've been pretty uh, transparent with them about uh, where we are, how the show is looking, and the number of exhibitors, number of registrations, all the basic information that's important to them, where those people are coming coming from so they know how to plan. You can imagine a company like Samsung uh, are bringing people in from multiple countries to deal yep. with their customers. So they want to know from us, well, wh- who's registering? Where are they coming from? And so, you know, we were giving everybody this sort of information. And, um, you know, we went away from that meeting with, you know, some a little bit of um, nerves, but still everyone felt in a good position. And we went through Christmas and um, we promised them another meeting, which we planned for 10th of January. And we had that discussion. Uh, before we had that discussion, we actually sent out a survey to our attendees. Um, you know, we were monitoring uh, the issues that people were having with traveling, with confidence, etc. Um, I mean, for example, did you know that uh, Chinese exhibitors, uh, anyone coming from China, had to uh, spend two weeks in hotel quarantine when they go back? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so, you know, these are issues that um, are challenges for some of our customers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having done that, having done the survey and seeing the results of how confident people were about traveling and seeing, you know, a lot of people also uh, undecided. 
you know, uh, um, that we said, okay, you know, what do we do? And having this discussion with, our, with the, the exhibitors, they said, look, um, we really want ISC. We really want to be uh, part of it. We want to go ahead. But we'd like to put it at a time when we feel that people have more confidence to travel uh, and looking at the, the situation in all the countries. Um, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, attendance at ISE is mostly people like yourself. Um, mm -hmm. we, we get about 5% of our attendance comes from North America uh, and, and, um, in, in 2019 and 20. Um, and um, it was trying to balance and saying, okay, what are the issues that everyone's uh, facing still? Uh, and whilst we expected most of those issues to be out of the way, there were still some there. Um, and, you know, based on that, that meeting on Monday night, the group of exhibitors said to us, we, if there is any way we can do this, they would like us to postpone uh, the two to three months. All right. So we've got, we, we've got a couple of months now, right? Three months. Well, yeah, three months. Um there are, you know, some, when, when you look at that, are, are we thinking then that that is not fairly confident because none of us are doctors in this, in this industry, right? And we don't know, we're not infectious disease experts. Um, but this latest variant has been less severe, especially if you're vaccinated. Is that what we're kind of, when, we, when you're talking to like the World Health Organization, you're talking to the Spanish authorities, this, this three month pause gives us a little bit more confidence. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, that's what our customers are telling us. They feel more okay. confident for travel in three months. And I think a lot of them looked at the, the figures. And, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with projections, you tend to look at history uh, to try and manage that. And I think a lot of um, you know, what the health authority has been using, they look at uh, how the situation was in the last, in 21 and 2020. Um, and, you know, they've said they see that uh, the spring months, um, April, May, um, that, uh, you know, it looks better. And we hope that's what's going to be the case. All right. Very good. Uh, registration is still open then. Um, is continuing to stay open. Uh, we've seen, uh, after the announcement, uh, a slight surge again in registrations. Um, so people are starting to register based on the new dates. Okay. Uh, encouraging. Um, we've seen a lot of social media from both exhibitors and activity from both exhibitors and attendees and press um, yeah. that uh, shows, um, as to, you know, uh, commending us for the decision and um, uh, saying it's the best thing for the industry. Um, and you know, majority of people saying we're going to be there. Of course, we've had some criticism as well. Uh, we can't please everybody. Um, but uh, the majority of what's out there, 99% of what's out there, uh, has been positive news. Uh, and that's, you know, it's funny. I would have thought the hotels in Barcelona and the people of Barcelona would be really pissed with us now. Um, yeah. It's been amazing the reactions we're getting from there. You know, I've had from the deputy mayor, from deputy president, I've spoken with both, both commend uh, our decision and, and, but also our commitment to continue and actually do the show in Barcelona. Um, we've seen messages from the hotel association saying, uh, uh, good decision. We're behind you. We're working with you. So, you know, it's surprising that, um, you know, we still have confidence from the city, the city organizations, uh, and the people involved there. A lot of people are still disappointed. They like, you know, we, my team wanted, were, have been working hard to deliver a show, um, uh, in two weeks time. And, uh, you know, if the biggest disappointment's there, it's from, from us as a group. 
Um, but we're also realistic and we'd rather deliver a good show that everyone's happy with or, uh, and um, that we have a chance uh, to, you know, make the best out of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, if somebody does want to register or find out more about Integrated Systems Europe, how do they do that? You go to www.iseurope, so I-S-E-U-R-O-P-E dot org, uh, and then click on the registration button. Um, I'm sure uh, if you want a free code, give me a call, give Tim a call, you know, mail us and we'll give you a free code to get in. <laughs> don't don't mail me. It won't get here by then. But yeah, email me or, or call me. So Thank you so yeah. much, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now for our fantastic uh, panel, first and foremost, Bren Walker from Kierkegaard. Welcome, ma'am. Hello. Welcome to everyone. Happy to be here. All righty. Uh, Steve Greenblatt. Not only is Steve uh, the, the owner and operator of Control Concepts, uh, he also is the host of the uh, uh, State of Control here on AV Nation. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Also, a young man that I've not gotten a chance to be on this show before yet, Alex Horton. Alex is from Nov Novmega. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you. Great to be here. And I will point out that this is the first time in the history of this program that I've had two people on from British Columbia. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. British Columbia. Apparently, that's part of Canada, I'm being told. Yes. Uh, I'm joking. I know it was part of Canada. Good the, the, the next show, there will be three of us, and before you know it, we'll take over. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> well, I could, I could technically have, like, an entire Canadian... At this point, I could have an entirely Canadian AV week because Matt Scott could take over as host and then have you two and, like, Brock McInnes on. That would be, that, that would be fine. We could do that in a couple weeks. Um, last but not least, just down the, down the coast from uh, Bren and Alex, Mr. Josiah Way uh, from USC and from Hetma and from his own uh, higher ed podcast. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you very much, Tim. Always uh, humbled and honored to be with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, by the time this, this posts... Um, the, I'll talk about this at the end, but the, the final round of the AV, uh, AV nation, uh, awards, uh, is going on. Um, I don't know anything, so I can't say, um, I really don't know anything. People keep texting me and asking how people are doing. And it's like, it's not my thing. I don't do it. I don't touch it anymore. Um, cause I don't, they don't want me to break it. Uh, but most likely there's some Hatma folks uh, in there. So go check that out. Um, all right, Steve, we're going to start with you on this. Um, Y'all heard what, what Mr. Blackman said. Uh, I also got the chance to sit down with Dave Lubuskis, uh, CEO of, of Vixa. Mitchell, uh, our fantastic producer, will put that entire um, interview on this page. You can go to this, this episode's page. Um, I just didn't want to make this episode too long. Um, Steve, between what Lubuskis said, what Blackman said, and from your perspective as someone who has attended uh, ISC, um, does this, what, what, what does this do to the community? What does this do to manufacturing, um, uh, roadmaps? What does this do, uh, for us as a global AV, uh, people? There's a few different ways you can look at it. Uh, you know, first as an attendee, it makes life a little bit easier because it was certainly a concern to attend, um, because, the fact that you can't really control your condition and not being able to get on a plane to come home was a big fear. Um, we, we were, um, my company has been going in the years that it's, we've been able to, and it was definitely a big obstacle to commit to this year, to you know, just um, too, too, too much responsibility. But um, 
moving it makes a lot of sense. Um, moving it to the time of year in May is um, going to be tough for those of us who attend Infocom and, um, and are involved in Infocom. And I think everybody knows that. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's very possible that it couldn't have been scheduled at another time. So I'm glad it is being, they are having it. And um, the reason that I think I even bring this up is be, because although they both may serve different audiences from a geographic perspective, from somebody who's attended both and attended both um, several times, I think that they're very different experiences. And I think that you really need to attend both to get the feel for it and to understand why. Um, but as somebody who is at Infocom, um, there is a lot that goes into Infocom and a lot of commitments and responsibilities. And, and there's a lot of people that you know. And being able to go to a show like ISC is almost uh, a... Uh, a bit of a of a luxury to be able to feel like you can walk around and and go on your own agenda and be able to have your meetings um, with a little less distraction and I, I say that in a nice way. Um, it's still good to f see familiar faces and all and and be able to to meet people, but the the manner in which that show is held makes for a lot deeper conversations and and uh, being able to meet people and be able to get to know them on a different level has really been a big value for me um, in attending. So um, I feel like it is important that we have both shows and I hope to be able to attend both, but I don't know in close proximity if that's going to be possible. All right, Bren, uh, we mentioned the fact that you and Alex are both um, in Canada not to be the big dumb American here, but we kind of consider the North American contingent kind of all in one. Um, this is a, IEC is, is considered a, a global show, not that Intimocom isn't, it certainly is. Uh, it wasn't what it was uh, certainly in, in this past October, um, but there were a number of um, international, not non, non North Americans at the show in Orlando. What does this do to, to ISE and, and to Infocom as, as we look at the global perspective of this uh, both Mr. Lobuskus and Mr. Blackman mentioned the fact that there's not a big percentage that comes from North America. And they both said, you know, they both put kind of Canada and, and the U.S. together on that. Um, however, as, as Steve said, there are still a, a number of, of folks who do come uh, from the North American contingent. You know, not not to be silly, but but Steve does. I do. You know, Joe and I, um, I think the, Joe, the last time it was held, held, uh, which mm -hmm. was which was Amsterdam in 2020. Joe was there with me. Um, what does this do, Bren, to, to get that kind of that whole international global show? Well, first of all, I think that the move, <clears throat> the move to May will dissuade a lot of the people who would have come in February because mm. it's tour season or the start of it. So from a practical standpoint, costs are much higher. Um, you know, in Canada, we have different testing requirements in terms of leaving and entering other countries. So it's not quite the same as coming from the United States. Um, I'm a dual and I oftentimes have in the last two years chosen how I'm going to travel birth based on where I was going and where I was coming back to um, in order to avoid the anxiety of am I going to test positive or negative and is that going to keep me from going home or going to my next meeting or wherever it is I need to be. Um, yeah. I think that the 
overall, it feels like we're not learning anything. Uh, we, you know, all the conversation about the next normal, the new normal, when are we going to stop trying to pull from our past and continue doing what we did in the past as opposed to embracing the future? You know, when we think about education, education is top down. You have someone older than you who is teaching you something that is already outdated. And we keep going top down and looking from the past to the future for how we do things. When was the first show, conference show? Certainly in the 20th century, right? Yeah. Now, yes, there are needs to be together for the physical things that we have to see. But if we've learned nothing else, our world is no longer just a physical world. And the next generation that we want to attract to this industry, they are already living in a virtual and digital world. And I feel like most of these conferences are the, the notion of hybrid attendance is basically still let's give you some things to interact with online, but we're still focused on people being there in person. And to me, it's just a 20th century way of thinking. It's, it's very, it's, it's actually really, really, really appropriate there because, you know, one of the things that you look at, um, you know, different um, uh, shows, one of them is E4 and E4, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a gamers um, conference it typically ha happens in June. That one has already uh, announced it's going completely virtual. Now it's a gaming show, right? So there are, there are certain aspects and elements that lend itself to it, certainly. Um, but there is something to be said about making sure that we have more and more of it, um, um, virtual aspects of our shows. And just look at what part of the show could be virtual and then would actually make it truly global because then you could have wider participation from around the world. You know, we, we are up against this challenge in terms of talent, but we are not making it easier for talent to discover this field and to, dis to discover the places where decision makers are operating or socializing who are going to give them that first job. So, yeah, absolutely. Alex, from your, from your perspective, what does this do um, to, you know, supply chains? What does this do for R&D and, and you know, rolling out? Um, what does it do um, to, to the AV community globally? Yeah, I mean, from a global perspective, I'm not too sure. I mean, North America, we're such a small contingent that goes there. And that's one of the big draws for me personally uh, to go to ISC, to echo kind of what Steve said. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to go in 2019 or 2018. I can't remember in Amsterdam. And uh, uh, what a pleasure it was. But also it was really unique because as a Canadian, as kind of like, to your point, Tim, as a, you know, kind of like this forgotten element, uh, we're even a smaller contingent, right? And when we meet up with other Canadians there, uh, they typically are on the senior leadership. They're not your average key account manager that's trying to, you know, grind out the pitch. And, you know, we got 23 seconds to get this pitch done. So um, it's more of an opportunity to connect in person, um, you know. I uh, I really respect what Brent has to say about, you know, leading with technology and making it virtual. Uh, I'm someone that's, uh, you know, more of a face-to-face, a, -face, a little bit more of a human-centric uh, uh, type of personality in that respect. So I love going to these events. Uh, I had planned on going to ISC. Um, and unfortunately, just it didn't line up that I felt comfortable I could get back. And I feel many others feel the same way. But um Onward Stanfocom, I suppose. Really quickly, because you mentioned the fact that you planned on going. Um, do you plan on going now? It's in May. 
No. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's it's too close to Infocom. Um, you know, I think there was some some all, also in our space and digital signage, some other events that kind of uh, are going on at that same time. That um, yeah, it's just it's just not really feasible to go in May. And, and we, by the way, hmm? um, I'm I will probably still go in May, but with it when it was happening in February, I was taking my team, so it wasn't mm. just me. We were able to flights are cheap to Spain in February compared to May. So we were one, we were four people going instead of one. And no. one thing I'll say about the virtual experience, if it doesn't feel human centric, then that's kind of on us, you know? And, and, and those of us who, you know, design, consult, and also our software partners who are creating user experiences and user interfaces, either way, we've got to make that more human centric because the next generation is, this is what they know, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Way, um, I, I know that you and I have, have, have talked about this both kind of online and, and in the background. And I will, I will point, we swear, before we go, go there, were, there were three um, UK shows that were happening mm -hmm. at the same time as, as ISE's new dates. I say were, we've got word that at least one of them is moving those, their dates for that show. They have not made it public yet, but they are certainly looking at, at other dates to move their show. Um, the other two, we don't we don't know yet. Uh, speaking of moving shows, uh, Joe, you put something out on on social that will will bring this all around here. Um, and you asked uh, both ISC and Avixa, hey, why don't we just make this permanent, right? Keep ISC in in May, move Infocom to October. Now, Joe's a tech manager. He works in higher education. Why does that make sense, and why does this? Why 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 is that idea out there? Yeah, um, it's a brilliant idea, by the way, and they should really listen to it. Um, I, I'm I'm here for the people. I'm here to represent the true needs of what it is that we need uh, for our industry, and specifically higher ed. Um, but the real reason is, let's be honest, we were all loved being in Florida in October. It was actually the best time to have a show. The weather was wonderful. It also fit the higher ed buying cycle, right? I had conversations at Infocom in October that fit well with what I need to do this coming summer. And then likewise with ISE, we don't want to go where it's cold in February. I live in Southern California for a reason. Okay, I don't want to have to shovel uh, my, my ISE. So moving that to the spring just makes more sense. And again, it aligns with when we're looking to put things in, with our normal budget cycles, our project cycles. It just seems to fit better. And I was excited to see them change it. I, I would have been to ISE just with you. I would have gone in February. I will still go in May. I will go whenever they hold ISE or Infocom because they're important parts of who we are as an industry. And as Aristotle said, humans by nature are social animals. And I think it's important that we gather as people. And so I will go whenever they hold it. But May, ISE, October, Infocom, put it on the calendar, leave it there. Do it. That will be wonderful. And I will say that I hope that ISC does not stay in May during the start <laughs> of tourist season. I, I wish that it would go earlier in the spring so that more people could attend. It will be cost prohibitive. It will be concentrated to senior people the closer it gets to June, July. That is one aspect that I had not considered, Bren, was, was the tourist season part of that, right? Yeah. 
Um, no. Well, you know, and I did look into that. I thought that same thing. And originally, you know, I was going to ISC thinking, well, what happens? What if I can't get out of the country or what if it goes? And so my wife and I were planning on adding a vacation to it and thinking, well, worst thing that happens, they don't have a show and we have vacation. Well, we're going to do the same thing in, in May. And we looked up flights again from LAX, which is a major airport. There was no flight. There was no cost difference from when I ended up looking. Now, granted, that may change as more people start booking their summers. We're in an awkward year with COVID. So that may change. But as of now, it's all, looking good. All our flights were triple. Wow. 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 Yeah, we had no change. Ask any travel agent and they'll tell you that it's going to cost more to go to Europe in May than it will in February. It's just wow. the way it is. So. All right. Well, we will, we will certainly um, watch both of those. Um, I will point out that as we wrap this, this story up, a Mobile World Congress, uh, which is scheduled for the week after ISE was originally scheduled, which is the ISE was originally the 1st through the 4th of February. It's still going on, right? Mobile World Congress is still going on. Uh, so we'll kind of have to watch those those shows as well as a couple others that are happening uh, in Frankfurt and Germany and in, in and around uh, the European area through the spring to see exactly how those are coming off, how those are those are happening. Um, I, I will point out that CES happened this year uh, about a week or so ago. I was there. It was lower than what a normal CES was, but we were all masked. We were all vaccinated. Had to be, right, to even get your badge. Um, so that does pretend well for, for Infocom happening. And again, this this year it's in Vegas. So we'll we'll have to watch it and see how it goes. All right. Uh, next story comes to us uh, from actually from from the website of of White Light Limited. White Light becomes part of the D&B group, uh, quote unquote, from the article today. White Light is delighted to announce that it is joining the newly formed D&B Solutions business. Why that matters is because the first company to join D&B Solutions was SFL Group, which was already in a strategic partnership with White Light. Uh, so this kind of like brings them both under under one group un, under one roof. Um, according to uh, to the group, um, this will quote unquote um, add to uh, DNB Group's uh, technical expertise and significantly increase the solutions capability to offer complete and flexible audio, video, lighting, and XR solutions, which is where we're going with this. Brent, we're starting with you on this. Um, how big of a deal is this? Merger acquisition, I guess, acquisition um, of White Light? Uh, I think it's a really big deal in terms of moving XR forward. Um, you know, last year, face, Facebook became meta and we were all talking about the metaverse, but we're not going to leap from where we are into the metaverse. There are going to be transitional presentations and the XR, XR stage is a fantastic, fantastic way to do it. It's going to replace green screen. We all know it's going to go away. And I think in the next two years, we're going to see it in all sorts of applications beyond the Mandalorian and beyond entertainment. It's a it's a natural fit for higher education. Um, I think we'll see a lot of schools start to use these, both the, the, the encapsulated cube rooms and hybrid stages where they can have other people in the room in an auditorium. So it's a game changer. And it might even be the thing that helps D&B get Soundscape off and going. Mm -hmm. Because I think Soundscape has been um, lagging behind its competitors. And if they can combine these two solutions in something integrated for people that's more um, 
something that they can uh, have happening in their venues without a whole lot of uh, angst, then I think we start to see more immersive type performances happening with remote audiences also yep. able to experience the immersive audio. Real quickly, explain to folks, if they're not familiar, what, what the Mandalorian reference there was. Uh, the Mandalorian references to the, the stage that they used to film it, which was uh, OLED panels uh, to create this environment. And it's, again, that, that was, I think, one of the biggest things that happened last year was uh, the recognition that that stage got at the Emmys. Uh, the work yeah. that they got at the Emmys, I think, um, we'll see the public start to ask for these things too. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is phenomenal um, as somebody who is just now caught up on the book of Boba Fett as well. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, it's, it's really good. You should watch. If you like, if you like the Mandalorian, my two cents, you will like the Boba Fett. So um, Alex, uh, look, looking at this and looking at XR and, and obviously with digital signage, it, it, that becomes even more, more relevant here, um, you know, where are we at with, with bringing XR and, and uh, into the AV and the, and the DS space? Oh, it's early days, but, um, you know, I, again, I'll just echo what Brent said, you know, Mandalorian has done a lot of really incredible things for that space. Um, what, what can be done um, with that technology really changes the entire game. I mean, Vancouver is a huge uh, movie production, um, you know, industry here. Um, we're already starting to see that go into some of the studios. But what is really uh, intriguing to me is it kind of takes uh, or puts the ability to move the talent to globally. So we can look at areas where there's global talent that's not getting tapped into, and you can now transfer that that talent and that technology to a local space, whether it be Eastern Europe or Asia or, or Africa or wherever, uh, you can really just move that technology. And it, it's something I was thinking about actually the other um, the other evening is that you know it, it is really kind of creating a whole new landscape where um, you know we're going to see movie production become more international it's not going to be the north america blockbuster anymore you're going to get these little uh productions and movies that are going to pop up and, and go viral i really do think so in the next coming years especially with this type of technology where it really just takes the uh the power back from the big movie houses and puts it back into independence so totally agree totally yeah, agree totally I, I totally agree with that too um you know, if you want to say, you know, here at USC, obviously very world famous film school, and we have a number of these studios going in. Um, we are building them. We're taking our new esports arena and creating an entire, you know, LED wall experience around it uh, to be able to create virtual environments within uh, this space. I think it's huge. You know, I, I recently wrote an article. I said that uh, AV's uh, next big convergence is going to be with the metaverse. I think that there's going to be a huge um, uh, one. There's a lot of money to be made. And if you're not already thinking about it as an integrator of how you can be part of this, um, it, you're not doing yourselves any favors. Um, but if you think even at USC, our gaming uh, majors does not fall under computer science. It falls under our film school. And that mm. should tell you a lot about when we're looking at graphic design and all these things of how we look at this as an entertainment type of module and not necessarily computer science. And while you need it and we have degrees that combine these things, 
Um, this is going to change the entertainment industry uh, and really the way we as consumers uh, both want to buy, purchase, consume our, our entertainment, but how we as content creators, you know, you're sitting behind a, you know, a green screen at the moment, but how we start doing this, you see the youth already being, you know, the youth already know, you know, the TikTokers and YouTubers, how to create content, to create personal brands. And this is going to change the world uh, in a very short amount of time. And uh, as an AV industry, you know, we, we have, we're really, really good at being late to the game. Um, but all of the, uh, the, the, the writing is on the wall on this one. Um, so hopefully we don't, we can get involved because everything being needed to make this content, to do these productions are all audio visual equipment. So are we going to take control of it or not? Are we going to let it slip by because we're too afraid of, you know, saying that no one's going to walk around with goggles on. And if you're thinking that this is just people walking around with goggles on, you are not understanding the metaverse itself and the whole purpose of it. So. Absolutely. Right that on, that was one of the go ahead, Brent. I said right on. That's that's that is spot on. It's it's about the transition to that place where the goggles actually go away and, and I keep waiting for the computer science degree to go away because everyone <laughs> should be studying computer science who's an undergraduate right now in my view. But Yep. Kinda of like English. Yeah. What one of the, the one of the common threads throughout CES last year last week was was the metaverse and, and certainly not a lot but there was certainly a number of, of boosts that were there that were, were tying into it um steve well, you'll have the last word on this when you look at you know moves like this with with white light what does this do uh, as far as pushing the av industry forward and, and keeping us up to date and, and as joe says not not falling too far behind well, I like what everybody's been saying. I uh, th this area is a little bit outside of where my focus is, but I, but you know, just the idea of being able to to put um, partners together that are going to the the sum is going to be greater than the parts is is always a good thing, and uh, and and being being able to to move the industry forward and have new ways of doing things uh, both not only on the technology side but also on on the the forward being forward thinking and i think that a little bit of that has been lacking and and is um, kind of kind of going back to what Brent said earlier we we need to be appealing to um, not only our clients but also those who are going to take the baton and move the industry forward in the future um the those uh, the younger people and and also being able to uh, compete for talent in, in with other industries. All right, very good. That'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Josiah Way, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure. Um, you can find me on all the socials at Josiah Way. And, of course, find Hetma at Hetma underscore org. If you are in higher ed and a tech manager, please do uh, come and uh, come, come to your family. Yes, jo jo join them. Join them. They have cookies. Um, Bren Walker, thank you so much. Uh, how do people connect with you or Kierkegaard? Um, they can find us at Kierkegaard.com. You can email me, Bren, at Kierkegaard.com. And I'm on LinkedIn as Brenda J. Walker. Just for the record, Bren has the best stories in the history of people that I've talked with. <laughs> uh, and that includes some really remarkable people. So you should connect with her. Thank you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alex, thank you, bud. Thank you so much. Uh, how do people connect with you or Nova MAGA? 
Uh, you can connect with us at uh, Novmega.com on LinkedIn. Uh, you can f- uh, find me as a follower of just about everyone on here on Twitter uh, or Twitter myself. Uh, LinkedIn, like I said, Instagram. Um, or you can just email me, alex at Novmega.com. Um, more than happy to connect with anyone. All right, very good. Mr. Greenblatt, how do people connect with you or Control Concepts? Uh, I could be found on the socials at uh, Steve Greenblatt. Control Concepts could be at controlconcepts.net. And for my partner, uh, Rich Fergoso, I need to put a shout out for our podcast here on Aviation, A State of Control. Uh, please check that out if you want to learn more about the uh, programming, automation, and control side of the industry. I'm also doing something really cool uh, in about a week. Um, I, I've done this presentation for the Aviation Learn From Home, and I'm getting a chance to do it again for rave pubs on uh, using personality types and uh, uh, for increased productivity and I uh, encourage everybody to go check it out. It's part of the Girl Boss series and uh, yep. it's a really cool interactive session and I hope uh, to see some of you out there. Yeah, you can find that out on the 24th of January. Uh, so by this time, this post will be about a week out. And you can also check out Stephen on another podcast with a fellow Hetma person. Uh, ask the programmer with, uh, with James King. So you can check that out. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters. Uh, our buddy uh, Chris Neto has got the, the AV challenge going on, so you can check that out. Go do that. There's 30 days of postings. Um, at this point, I am just waiting to see who in the world the Bears hire as a head coach uh, and a GM. So that was surprising. Um, the GM, not not the head coach. The head coach was not a surprise. Um, but go by the website if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, including Mr. Greenblatt's uh, State of Control. Um, speaking of Canadians, Matt Scott, uh, who is in London, Ontario. He hosts our residential side of the, the, the industry. Uh, so he does that every week. Uh, I mentioned the fact that the AV uh, Reader's Choice Awards is going on. This is the final round. So you got two weeks to, to make your voice heard. Uh, by the time this post, that will have been posted. Do not ask me who is on it because I have no clue. Uh, they do not let me touch that anymore, but that's probably for the best. Uh, but go vote. Uh, as they say in Chicago, vote early and vote often. Um, and uh, go check that out if you would, please. Also check out our, our sponsors who help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and ISE, regardless of when it happens, uh, and Infocom, regardless of when it happens, Mr. Way. Uh, so uh, check all that out and more at avionation.tv it's avionation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that is all the time we have for AV Week 